up everyone this is dr bartu your host on pill talk podcast pill talk is your medicine your daily dose to become inspired motivated and to live at your full potential we have a good guest special guest uh registered nurse amarachi here with me today to speak to you guys about the nursing um profession uh she have a great career in working with psych patients and we're gonna jump into it how you doing today I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy you could come on and be a guest for Pill Talk podcast today. Thank you. And I'm excited to be here. And I'm just excited that you asked me to be a part of this. This is awesome. I've listened to some of your old podcasts. They were good. One of my best friends was on one of your last podcasts, Dr. Amaka Fadu. Check her out. Hey. Hey. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. She was great on here too. So I know you about to do good since that's your friend. You about to turn it up. Yes. All right. So let's talk about you. What made you want to choose to become a to become a nurse? Um, I kind of fell into nursing um pretty much because originally I was on a different path. So nursing is my second degree. So I was originally going towards like the medical route um, to go to med school because in our Nigerian culture is doctor, engineering, nurse. And so I was like, eh, I'll be a doctor because most everyone was, that's what they were doing. And then I was like, mm, took the MCAT and was like, this is not for me. So my mom um, was like, well, go to nursing. So I kind of fell into it and at first was like, I don't know if I could do this, but then after being in the hospital and really working alongside with other nurses, I like fell in love with nursing and I truly do love what I do and the flexibility that it brings. So that's yeah. dope. Yeah. That's dope. So what was the education? What did you have to do to become a nurse? Like the education level? So the education for nursing is very different. So for me in particular, um, since I said this is my second degree, um, I went to a four-year regular undergrad and got a um, bachelor's in science. So after I finished, I did a 16-month um, accelerated nursing program where I did what basically what people do in three and four years and 16 months <laughs> which was non-stop like test every other week um, and I got my nursing degree and they even have some nursing programs that are 12 months some that are 13 and you can get them very fast but it's like hard base work the whole time or you can do the just regular traditional route which is like three four years um, of nursing school as your undergrad, um, just regular four-year college. But I did mine in 16 months, and it was rough, but we made it. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. Um, yeah. What made you choose the that program, the 16-month program? Well, since I already finished my degree, I know I didn't want to go back for a longer program, and I decided to go to nursing school like three weeks after I graduated <laughs> um, school, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to nursing school now. So I wanted something that was quick. I felt like I had, I had enough um, stability and um, perseverance in my own life that I could push through a program that's quick, even if it took a lot. Um, during that program, it was very much focus, 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 not didn't have much social time because 
you have to get through it. We literally had a test every other week um, during that program. So I just knew that the quicker I finish, the quicker I can get into getting into my career. Um, so for me, that was that was the best thing that I could do for my life at that point. So that's why I chose a faster rate. I'm not mad at that. So how did you do your, how was the clinicals like with that 16 month program? So it was, we started doing clinicals second, second semester. We started doing clinicals. Um, and even part of our first semester, we, towards the end of our first semester, which was each program was like eight weeks long. Each semester was eight weeks long. Um, we did clinicals towards the end and it was, you work, you do your classwork, go to clinicals, do your class, go to clinicals every, we had clinicals every week. Cause you had to, what people would get in a longer span, we're getting it in the shorter span. So you have to go to clinicals. We're having clinicals every week. So you're staying up, you're going to clinicals, working your 12 hour shifts for free. <laughs> and then you, turn around you still got to study you make sure you pass the test that's going to happen on Friday because you know with nursing school most nursing schools have a curve so um they'll say if you get a grade below 74 percent that's failing if you fail two classes you're out yeah. pretty much so you know you have to keep making sure you meet above that curve in every class as well as my nursing school was like 74 in a class overall and 74 on exam if it's not higher than that, you fail. The bare minimum was a 74. Damn. Yep. And I that's a good because there's nursing schools out there that's like 80. 80%. Oh, yeah. If you ain't if you don't have above an 80, mm -mm. So look, take the small blessings. <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. Yo. Cause pharmacy school was hard and like continuous. Mm -hmm. But 16 months i couldn't imagine like i would believe you literally went to school during the day clinicals at night no sleep okay look sleep i don't know you know we i ate food i know that <laughs> i know that but i mean it it was it was an experience that i would not put myself through again but it was worth it i i I love what I'm doing now and I'm so fortunate to have the job that I have now and the job that I did have prior to this. So look, that 16 month nursing degree was worth it to me. What's up everybody? Let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Bartu Wilson. I'm a pharmacist that was featured in one of the most prestigious publications, Marquis Who's Who in 2021 as a top medical professional of the world because of my impact through medication therapy management, outreach programs, and networking. I started my own podcast, Pill Talk Podcast, to sit down and talk with other top medical professionals about their journey. Some of the topics that we cover in our conversations are their career path choice, education level needed to practice in their career field, and most importantly, how they're impacting the lives of the patients that they see daily. So, I would like for you to join me every Monday at 6 p.m. as I release new episodes so you can learn about the different medical fields from the top professionals themselves. I just want to let you know that Pill Talk Podcast is just not a podcast, it's your medicine. 
The Daily Dose you need to educate, motivate, and inspire to live at your full potential. So become an empowered leader and start to dream bigger with Peel Talk Podcast. So I want you to go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel and support the podcast by becoming an active listener and purchasing some merchandise. Thank you. I can imagine. And going into the next subject, speaking about your your career, your jobs. So let's talk about your first one. Because you said you started off where in the emergency department, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I started off in the emergency department as a new grad nurse in a level one trauma center. And then in this level one trauma center, we also um, had the ability to not only work with trauma patients, but we also worked with psychiatric patients, pediatric, and of course, our adult population. Um, so we would basically rotate every every few shifts, you would be in a different area. So you had to be competent with basically all ages and all all kinds of things. Um, and it was a wonderful experience. It was intense. Um it was intense, but it was worth it. And I learned a lot. Um, and now, though, I only work with psychiatric patients in a behavioral health ER, which is um, still under the same health company that I work for now. Um, but basically what the ER really taught me was, you know, you never know what comes in the ER. You from a cardiac patient to abdominal pain, altered mental status, like there's so many things to a psych patient. Um, and what the ER showed me is where my passion really lied and where I, what I really love. So prior to going to nursing school, I always had a passion for mental health and um, just psych- the psychiatric population and behavioral health population. Um, but I didn't want to go right away. I wanted to make sure that that is what I love and see what's out there to just make sure there's not, I don't have a passion in something else too. Like maybe I like mom and babies, maybe like only peds, um, maybe I like bones more. Um, so being in the ER gave me that flexibility to learn about everything and see everything. And then that's when I really knew like, okay, no, I really do love psych patients. I really love behavioral health. Um, and mental health. So I moved over to that and I solely work with that population base right now. That's dope. So, That's dope. Yeah. But uh, you did say one great thing in there by working in the emergency department, you got to touch all the like demographics, all the different aspects of nursing and was able to find the one that was right for you or the one that you connected with the most. And now you really end that. Um, did you have to do any extra training once you got to this point or once you decided you wanted to do the psych patients? No, because since in the ER that I was working, I have gotten every single training you possibly can get since I worked with Paul. <laughs> oh, it was just a smooth transition. It was like, um, to this. So it's great. So now it's just like, if I want to get extra certificates outside of that, um, for, um, the behavioral health population, which is what I'm working on to get now um but yeah it's it's amazing i do this and i have another job too and that's the beauty of nursing you can have like low-key like three nursing jobs at one time you got a full-time a part-time a prn look it's great <laughs> you want to grind for sure for sure but gotta make money somehow but yeah i have a i'm also an IV hydration nurse so what that is is basically um like medical spas, you know, medical spas are new things that are up and coming. And so basically 
the best way to describe it, you know how people get hungover and they wanted to go get a drip. Yeah. Sound like <laughs> so the movie like Hangover. You see it on TV. Yeah, you see it on TV, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, we only we don't only do hangovers. We do a bunch of other things um as well. But um that's basically what I do. I give IV drips to people um and like B12 shots and stuff like that. So it's fun. It's a nice job, different pace from the ER. Yeah. It's like one job is like go, 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 go. The other job is like, let's chill, like, <laughs> <laughs> like vibe. <laughs> so it's nice all right so let's jump into that one like the iv drip um Uh the hydration um hydration (laughs) um so what kind of things do you guys you just said you give banana bags so for people who got hangovers Uh you give b12 shots what else do you guys do there um we also can do Basically, drips are tailored for the need, right? So say if someone came in and said, I have a cold, I've been feeling under the weather, we can do, a, we'll call it hydrate wellness um, drip, which that will contain like vitamin C, it will contain zinc, um, some drips contain taurine, carotene, like those different vitamins and minerals that we can put in that, I mean, you can go to and take like, if people take vitamin C daily, you can get them in a drip. Um, we have drips that are tailored towards beauty, um, and we give glutathione, which the best way I describe it when I'm describing it, it's like an amino acid that sticks to your free radicals in layman terms. It's like a detox. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, we do drips towards um, hydrate athlete. We do drips for muscle recovery um, for athletes. Um, of course, the two hangover drips. We also give oxygen therapy. And what oxygen therapy helps is like, it can help with migraines, like headaches, and like just kind of clears your mind. Um, we have lots of different options. And we also do NAD plus. Um, so NAD plus, it helps with, um, it's, there's two different ways you can do NAD plus. So there's anti-aging um, and it can help with anti-aging or you can do there's an NAD plus that is tailored towards like PTSD, um, depression, um, and it can help with acute suicidality. So it's cool. Oh, so, um, we also um, do ketamine drips. So at my specific clinic, we don't, but like they also do ketamine drips and um, ketamine also helps with depression um, and PTSD. The NAD plus can also help with um, substance abuse as well. So um, more like like chronic alcohol users. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're trying to wean down um, and try to even get to zero drinks, so say you start with 10 and you try to get down to zero, that helps as well. So, okay, yeah, we have lots of different options of drips you can do. Um, I think when people hear about IV hydration, they automatically think Hang- um, hangover, like, <laughs> which is the, what's popular, right? That's what a lot of people do. Um, but no, there's a lot of different benefits you can do, even for like like pregnant women. If you know, like, if they're just dehydrated, you can just give a basic liter of fluids um, and some Zofran. Which, if you go to the ER to get that, it'll be like extensive amount of money just to go to the ER. But there, um, it's. It, you won't have the long wait time and it won't be as expensive. That's one thing I'm just about to ask too. Like, does insurance cover the hydration drips or does people just have to pay out of their pocket for this? You, you got to pay out of pocket, but it's worth it. 
It's worth it, definitely. It's worth it. Yeah. Definitely. Man, I think the first time I came across that was uh, in Vegas because somebody was like, hey, man, you know, you know, multiple things, but for what they was using it for was like getting themselves back, back to 100% after like drinking all night. Like, listen, we about yeah. to do it again. The bus is coming to pick me up. I'm like, what bus? We're like, what are you talking about? They're like, you don't know. <laughs> we about to get an IV ride around, get back hydrated, and then be coming back and doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's nice. I've gotten them. They're good. I like them. So, I mean, it's a, not everyone likes to get IVs, but if you do and you don't mind it, it's a good thing, so. What's up, everybody? Let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Bartu, and I'm a pharmacist. Being a black healthcare provider is a gift. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when patients come into the pharmacy, they're able to see someone that looks just like them. And they're able to let their guards down and really open up so that I can provide the best customer service to them and healthcare service as well. And let me explain why I say this. A gentleman came into the pharmacy to pick up some meds after being hospitalized with COVID. His ED doctor gave him the meds but didn't instruct him on how to properly use the inhaler, the reasons for the steroids, all the common side effects that he's going to face um, on his road to recovery with COVID. When the patient saw me, he stopped and pulled me to the side and asked, can I go over the meds with him? I sat down and took the time with him to explain the disease state, what to expect on his road to recovery, coach and demonstrated how to properly use his inhaler and go over the highlights of his steroids. When he came back to the pharmacy after he got back to his normal routine, which took about a week or so, he came in just to tell me thank you. Because unlike all the other doctors he visited, no one wanted to take the time to explain to him or even make him feel comfortable to ask questions about the medication or the disease state that he was facing. And that is the reason why representation matters in the medical field. Because when he saw me, I was able to connect with him on a different level. I was able to break down the information in a way that was ideal for him to receive the message. And making an impact in our patient lives is key. And that's why we need more black healthcare providers in the medical field. So join me each and every Monday as I release new episodes so you can learn about the different medical fields from the top medical professionals themselves. Because Pill Talk is not just a regular podcast. Pill Talk podcast is your medicine. The daily dose you need to educate, motivate, and inspire to live at your full potential. So, become an empowered leader and start to dream bigger with Pill Talk Podcast. And while I got your attention, make sure you go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. And yeah, I'm not so, what made you get into that one? Or get into that? You know, I always thought medical spas were really cool. Just like seeing them on TV, you know, you see it. Um, so, it was really just random. Like, I was like, this is looks like a different pace from what I'm doing now. And... I feel like one big thing for me in working in that medical spa was like most people who utilize medical spas and these type of things are usually um, a certain population or ethnicity, right? And I feel like a lot of people don't know that things like this are accessible to all types of people, right? Um, so for me, I just want to normalize a sort of I feel like when people look at medical spas, they think it's just like luxury type thing. 
-hmm. but I mean, it, it you can look at it like that, but I just wanted to normalize luxury for all ethnicities and all people yeah. and say like this, like medical spas, getting these drips, getting, we offer Botox as well. I didn't mention that, but getting stuff like that, it, it's everyone and anyone can do it, you know? And I think more of us or African-American people who work in that type of field lets other people be drawn to it and want to be like, okay, like I can... I can go, I can work in something like this or I can go and get something like this and it's okay. Like, I feel like you don't see enough representation in certain areas. People feel like it may not be for them and that's not the case. Yeah, Does that make sense? In, yeah, but I was just about to ask you that because how you were saying it, breaking it down, you were like touching the real surface level, but I'm gonna jump right into it though. Representation <laughs> matters. So when people come in there and see you, they probably be like, okay, we in there. All right. Yeah. They feel, do they feel more comfortable dealing with dealing with you, or do they feel more comfortable with just in general being in there, knowing that this is something that is able to be touched by all people? Yeah, I will say, like, I will say so um, that they do. Um, and like, for example, we have a drip that is called a, a beauty drip, and like I said, we give the high glow glutathione and the way that it was like high dose glutathione can help with skin lightening. When you say skin lightening, you don't want to say, like people might not understand when you say skin line, like it's going to light my skin, but no, like it can also help with hyperpigmentation. And that's something I got to teach the staff, like, okay, hyperpigmentation, like, you know, Amer African-Americans, we, some, a lot of us suffer with hyperpigmentation and this can help in being able to get to talk about that and market that to the pa like different patient population that came in who maybe have came in before, but didn't understand that or know that and seeing me there and knowing like, okay, this woman, she'll understand. I think that that's, this a sense of like security and safeness when you see someone that looks like you and who's going to take care of you. If that makes, does that make sense? Right? <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. I got, a, I got an example for it, but it makes perfect sense. Um, I had a, person come to the pharmacy and they when they saw me he was just like can I speak to you for a second I'm like what's mm -hmm. up he's like yo I don't know what none of my medications for none of my doctors told me anything like can you help me with this and he was just like I went down and broke everything down and he came back like a week later and he was like I don't want to say thank you like I went to the hospital went to my own primary care Nobody looked like me. Nobody wanted to take the time to answer my questions. They just kind of like uh -huh. rushed me through. And when I saw you, you kind of like, we kind of connected. Or his words, like, yo, like when I saw you, like, yo, I knew you was good people, man. Like, I knew you were going to look out for me, brother. <laughs> That's like, real. I mean, because it, it, it's like that sometimes. Like, even if we even transition this conversation back to the mental health, a lot of the pop patient population that I see that struggle with ment mental health is usually African-American, right? But the way it's displayed sometimes in, for example, men, African-American men can be aggression or like upset, they're angry. And other people may see that as a threat, but then you have to think of what this person may have went through and they're not 
physically trying to be aggressive or verbally aggressive towards you. They're just frustrated and that's how they get out their anger. Mm. And in mental health, sometimes in the behavior health, seeing someone that looks like you, especially in that area and that can talk to you like a person, though you're struggling with something mentally, but can break down things to you that you understand and sees you as a human being, even though you might be struggling with hearing voices or seeing things that aren't there and being able to sit there with someone that looks like you and you're like, hey, I might not understand what you're going through, but I'm sitting here trying to talk to you and I want you to feel comfortable. I want this to be a safe space and I want you to be able to share with me. If And if you're frustrated, I understand that, you know, you can come back, come back and talk to them, but just being a person where they don't feel like they're getting judged for how they're behaving or how they're acting it, it, it goes a long way. Like when we have psych patients who come in of certain ethnic, ethnicities, automatically, I feel like some people get on edge or get nervous because they don't know how this person's gonna act. But when they see someone that looks like, like when these patients come in, you're like, hey, look, I know you're upset. And I know you're angry, but I need you to bring it down. And we're able to talk to each other like that, you know? And they're like, okay, well, this is what's going on with me. I didn't feel comfortable telling that this, telling that person, like, this is what I've been struggling with, but I'm telling you what I'm struggling with. And I'm able to go and relay that to the team. It, I don't know, it just feels good. And it, it it's a good thing. So I think representation and, being there for these patients, especially um, in the psych world and most of them being African-American over here, it's, I I love it. I think I talked in circles, but no, nah, yeah. no, nah. you hit a couple of good points. One is um, feeling comfortable. So like speaking with someone in their language, like when you see someone, it's like an automatic connection. Like, okay, when I mm-hmm. say something, you know how some people want to express themselves like, but they can't really figure out the words, but you understand the culture. So it's just like, all right, I know what you're trying to say. All right, this is what you're trying to say and this is what you mean, right? And that like helps break everything down a little easier. But yeah, um, just being able to like uh, speak with someone on their language, their terms and having like being, having them to understand you. Cause that's where a lot of patients come in at and it was like, yo, I couldn't open up. I couldn't really express what was really going on with me because they couldn't understand what I was saying. And then you're like, but you understand how me. I was saying it. Mm-hmm. Either understand what you're saying or how you're saying it. Because you, in, in certain fields, especially in nursing, I feel like we can't take a lot of things patients say personal, you know, in healthcare in general, because you're, you're meeting patients at their most lowest moments sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. You're, they're, they're feel horrible. They're in pain, sick. Of course, most of the time what's going to come out of their mouth is not that nice. <laughs> but I mean, in knowing that, we know that that's where that compassion and um, empathy comes in to play. Because if I was in their shoes, I'm probably upset too. You know, this is the lowest moment that I have. So learning to like, be like, make people 
feel okay to say what they want to say, how they say it. Now there is a disrespect line. I'm, I'm not saying that there's not a disrespect line, but you know, like sometimes the the way people say things, understanding it in a point where, okay, I know you're upset and how you said it, but I'm still here for you, you know, because when you don't give them a reaction and you're, you're kind, they tend to be more responsive and comfortable around us. Yeah. Um, that's dope. That's dope. Because things like that happen. People come to the pharmacy upset. And I sit down and talk with them. And they were like, when they get home after they done curse me out, yell at me, they call <laughs> back and be like, I don't want to let you know. I've been upset. I apologize how I came off. Uh, I appreciate you. Now let's not have that happen again. Okay. <laughs> well, have a good day. Um, so as a nurse, being a full-time nurse in the psych ward and working at the hydration or medical spa, how do you find time to have a work-life balance? You know, <laughs> I, I think I do pretty well with my work-life balance. Um, I do work a lot, but I try to either pre-plan things ahead of time or sometimes I do spontaneous things, um, especially like I have work, two jobs and I'm in a relationship. So like just balancing it all and making sure that I just devote time. I'm type A a bit, so I can plan everything out. <laughs> so, um, but every now and then do spontaneous things because I mean, if you're work, work, work all day and don't take time for self-care and in working in mental health, I prioritize self-care a lot. Like if I can't, if I can't do it or if I feel overwhelmed then I'm like, look, I need to do life right now and not do work, then I mean, you can call out. Not not encouraging <laughs> people to call. <laughs> but look, prepare the others because look, we're gonna take that PTO and we're gonna live our life. Because how can you serve, especially in healthcare, how can you serve a community and try to pour into others when there's nothing being poured into you? So you're basically pouring from an empty cup. There's no way. There's no way you can be able to um help other people and then that's when people start getting work fatigue um they start getting losing compassion they start becoming getting into nurse burnout and nurse burnout is a big thing that's going on right now with nurses working so much that they're forgetting to care for themselves so look self-care for me is momental even when i get back from work i still like after a 12-hour shift i'll come home and still watch a movie or I'll do some meditation or I'll do something that still grounds me even if I work a five day in a week. Well, after work, if I don't have off days where I can do anything after work, before I go to bed, I will make sure that I get back to being grounded and practicing some type of self-care. Um, like, especially journaling is something I do and I encourage a lot of people to do. Um, journaling really releases your mind and you can talk about your work day and let it out there. Um, but I might not be someone that always may go out and like party or do all stuff like that. But for me, um, even staying at home and grounding myself 
is enough balance for me. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. I think my last question for you. All right. Uh, you do a lot. You've done a lot so far in your career. But five years from now, what's your next goal? Like, what are you aiming for down the line? Um, five years from now, I plan on hopefully having a doctorate in nurse practitioner um, of um, mental health psych. Um, I plan on hopefully, you know, um, working in an outpatient slash inpatient setting, um, working on getting my own clinic because I do want a mental health outpatient clinic that serves um, a mix of underserved community um, and people that look like me. So they feel like they can come and have someone to talk to. And that will really, I feel like a lot of people don't like to go to therapy and get help and having a clinic ran by someone that looks like you will normalize people going to get therapy even more because I'm so here for therapy. And um, being able to have that practitioner license, I'll be able to prescribe medication as well. So I want a clinic that's called Behind the Smile. I already got the name. <laughs> but um, I want a clinic um, in the future, um, a mental health clinic. So that's really my five-year and beyond goal is to have that that's dope. for people. That's dope. I hope you get it. I hope you get it before the five years. Yeah, I hope so, man. I hope so. It's a goal. We're going to get there. Behind the Smile is uh, a name that I've been using since um, college uh, for anything that I've ever done for mental health. I used to make uh, mental health videos, um, like educational videos, uh, people sharing their stories of what they've been through. And, you know, I hope it's something that carries on for a long time. Hey, go ahead and trademark that right now. Just go ahead. Yeah, and nobody take and... it. <laughs> Look, y'all gonna keep that to you. Nobody take it. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate this though. I appreciate you and I appreciate this opportunity. Oh, no problem. I was just about to say thank you for coming on Pill Talk Podcast. We appreciate you. Let everybody know how they can get in contact you. Um, with you if you got a website, Instagram, Facebook, so that people want to get in contact with you, talk about, you know, mental health or nursing, whatever, they can get up, get up with you. Yeah, so I don't have, I don't use Facebook, so you can't find me on there. <laughs> um, I do have an Instagram, and it's at Jasmine, J-A-S-M-I-N-E-E-O-K-A-F-O-R, Jasmine O'Kor. Um I don't have a website yet coming soon. <laughs> Stay tuned. But um, that's pretty much the main way to reach me is Instagram because I don't really use no other socials. <laughs> so we got you. We got you. So I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, hopefully we will see you on another episode of Pill Talk soon. Yes. Thank you. All right. You're welcome.